what is up everybody how is everybody doing this wonderful tuesday april 2nd and you are listening to the rehab sports guys podcast i'm ian i will be your host today we're gonna get into some fire topics today two things that are breaking news the aaf has crumbled has fallen i'll get into that a little bit uh also randy gregory has somewhat received an extension by the dallas cowboys uh i will play a replay of something that i said almost exactly a month to the day ago about randy gregory's suspension and what the dallas cowboys need to do about it and then I will get into the Final Four, talk about the Elite Eight games, and then get into some breakdown of the Final Four matchups coming up. Uh, then I will touch on the NBA as far as awards go uh, with uh, the Rookie of the Year and MVP being the main two that I would like to discuss. And then finally, I will get to something that I have been meaning to get to for weeks now. And that is the the award show or award changes. I will change like the finals MVP, the MVP, Coach D, all those things. Change the names of the trophies or awards that they're away from what they are currently called. And then maybe, maybe I just might give you a claim why we need a new logo the NBA uh, so with all that being said let's go ahead and get into all of this first off we're gonna start with the AAF they made a claim a couple weeks ago that Tom Durden had put like a 250 million dollar investment into these uh, football league but there's also been claims that that didn't actually happen, and that's not true. The report I saw is that he lost over $70 million, and that's from Yahoo Sports, in the investment. He is also the NHL's, uh, he owns an NHL team, and I'll get you a team in just like 2.5 seconds. The Carolina Hurricanes, there we go. The Hurricanes, he's the NHL owner of the Hurricanes. I mean, does it really surprise anyone? Me, personally, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Because, one, I didn't really watch many of the games because I'm too busy for that. And it's really, I mean, I'm not looking to watch bad football. Uh, first off, they messed up by trying to put each, put all the games in, like, big, big college stadiums. Uh, I think if I would have done it, put them in, like, kind of like minor league teams do. They're not in these massive major league baseball stadiums. They're in these small stadiums from small markets. So I think they kind of bit off more than they could chew. Uh, the jersey prices were too expensive. I heard a lot of complaints about things like that on Twitter. Uh, so I think they just, I think they needed to come at it from a different perspective. I hope the XFL does. I really think that the NFL needs some sort of minor league system. 
besides just practice squad players? Because there's way too many injuries in the NFL for teams to have to depend on players that aren't actively playing. That is why you need a minor league system. That is why the baseball minor league system works so well. And of late, the G League has worked so well for the NBA is you can call up players back and forth, especially if you want to tank. I mean, just call up a G League player and stick him in there in the starting lineup. I mean, he's going to compete. You give him a chance to make more money. And he's not going to be as good, obviously, as your starter. You get to tank. You get to pay this other dude less money to not play so well. And he gets the experience of playing in the NBA. I mean, it's a win-win situation for everyone. Don't understand why the NFL is not doing some sort of thing to have a minor league system. That being all said, I am not surprised again that the AAF failed. It had been rumored that it wasn't going to last. I think it was just too quick of a startup. They didn't have a wholehearted plan going into it. It was like, hey, let's just start a minor league football league. You got to have more of a plan than that. Uh, maybe eight teams was too big of a start. Maybe you start with four and just kind of work your way from there. Nextly, another breaking news topic that came across while I was getting ready for the show. None of this I plan on talking about. Uh, Randy Gregory. And I have stated just a month ago what I think the Cowboys should do and what Gregory should do about going forward with his suspension. And today, there it has been broke, news broke that he got an extension. So here is my take a, exactly a month ago. Do I think the NFL should suspend players for smoking weed or testing positive for marijuana. Absolutely not. I disagree with it. I hate it. But you signed a contract and you have to abide by that contract. And you know you can't smoke weed. So don't go out here and be like Ricky Williams, get high and then go, oh shit, I forgot I can't get high. Like, come on people. You know you can't do something to keep your job. You've already been caught twice, suspended for 26 games. That's a lot of game checks, people, and you're out here still smoking. I understand if you need it for the pain. I understand it completely. Don't think I'm not, but you know you cannot do it. It's against the rules. You're going to get suspended, and now you're in spended, suspended indefinitely, and you're taking, off, you're taking money out of your own pocket because you want to smoke some reefer. I think that's a problem. In my personal opinion. You need to get some help. Maybe it's not even addiction. But you need to be think me need to get people that are in your camp. As when I say camp, like people that are your closest friends or closest relatives or anything like that that need to tell you, "Bro, you don't need to be doing this stuff." Like, you're a great player. You play for the Dallas Cowboys. You are going to be talked about all the time. You can't be making dumb mistakes like this. And as far as it goes for the Dallas Cowboys, why do you keep getting fooled by this dude? You know that he hasn't gone 
a whole season and an offseason without getting in trouble. Like, 2015, played a whole season, then got in trouble in 2016. And then got in trouble before he even played another game. And then he plays a full year last year, and then gets in trouble this offseason. Like, until he proves that he can stay drug-free, why? Why take a chance on him? Why pay this man money that you could be paying to somebody else that's going to abide by the rules and stay off the drugs? Why? Like, hold on. Let me go back. Like, why can't, why can you not do this? Why, Dallas, why are you even taking a shot on this man? Like, I don't understand this. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. He is a great player. Do not mistake that. But, is he worth the headache that maybe a player like someone in this current draft, a Bosa, in the first round, which Dallas is going to be able to pick him? But I would rather pay a rookie that I know is not going to make dumb decisions than pay this man. I mean, it's not like he's out here balling out of control, setting records, but man, he's a quality player that just can't stay on the field because he can't stay off the weed. Now, All that being said, I don't still don't understand why Dallas took a chance. But that being said, he's only owed what seven hundred thousand dollars next season. So I mean, it's a it's actually safe for Dallas if you think about it. If he ends up playing this year, that's great. If not, they traded for Quinn from Miami and only gave up a sixth round pick. They're paying Quinn ten million this year. They're not paying. Uh, Gregory and base salary over the next two seasons, over a million and a half combined is his base salary over the next two years combined. So, I think for Dallas, if he does anything productive on the field, it's worth the money, in my opinion, to see if he can figure out this whole situation that he's in and if he can stop getting popped for uh, uh, marijuana use or whatever it may be. So you might think I'm wrong and may think Dallas is stupid, but I think it's a win-win situation. If he keeps, if he gets in trouble again, just cut him and you only lost a million and a half, or he could ball out of control and you just got a Pro Bowl type player at a million and a half over two years, which is crazy. I mean, it's a win-win for Dallas. I'm not for it, but I mean, keep giving due to chance after chance eventually you're gonna get burned i mean i understand financially it makes sense but eventually it comes to a time where it's time to move on and draft somebody else and before we get into the final four i am going to take a quick commercial break and i will be right back after this And welcome back to the Rehab Sports Guys. We're going to go ahead and get into these final, or not the final four yet. We're going to recap the Elite Eight and then talk about who's in the final four. The last Elite Eight game of the, the weekend was probably 
one of the best. I mean, they all were great, in my opinion. They all were close. There weren't really any blowouts. All were close games. Two went in overtime. So, uh, we're going to be talking about them right now. The first one I want to talk about is the number one overall seed in the tournament goes down. The Duke Blue Devils fall to the Michigan State Spartans 68-67, which was a great back-and-forth game. Uh, Duke ends up falling, and Zion Williamson has played. Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and... Uh, Cam Reddish have played their final game for the Duke Blue Devils in college. I believe, or not, I believe they are going pro. So, Zion Williamson had 24 points and 14 rebounds. And R.J. Barrett had 21 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Kind of a little him going for a triple-double. And Cam Reddish had 8 points, 4 rebounds, and 37 min- minutes. But only took 8 shots. So, I mean, I feel bad for Cam Reddish because he kind of had to play third fiddle to uh, Barrett and Zion Williamson. And all the talking heads out there like Skip Bayless that were saying Coach Gay needed to run more plays for Williamson. If you ever noticed that this season with all that talent, they just kind of let him play. And the only time I really saw plays run where they'd they'd get Zion to set a screen for R.J. Barrett on a curl. And that's about all the offense they ran all year. And when you got two guys that are probably top three picks. You kind of let them do what they want, and it worked all year. Zion's going to get his rebounds and putbacks for his points because he had 24 points and 14 rebounds. I mean, can't have a better game than that other than the fact that he shot two for six from three. So, I mean, they didn't play bad. It's just I think Michigan State got after him a little bit defensively, uh, forcing forcing 17 Duke turnovers. Uh, The most important thing at the end of the game, uh, the ball movement for Michigan State ended up being the difference. Going gets a wide open three. And what's crazy is he was two for – or yeah, two for eight from three point for the entire game. So it wasn't like he was lighting it up. Uh, ends up four for twelve for the game, but had ten big points, nine huge rebounds. He was tied for the lead in rebounds for the team with Tillman, the most important person to meet for the Michigan State Spartans, is Winston. He played all forty minutes. He scored 20 points and 10 assists and added a rebound. He is probably, even if you ask Coach Izzo, he's the person that makes that team go. Uh, So, it was like I said, it was an awesome game. Michigan State moves on. And I called it. I tried to tell y'all that without... Any leadership, veteran leadership, uh, 
the depth at the in the post area would hurt Duke uh, chemistry because those players haven't played more than 30 games together and then Zion's been hurt for part of that time so all that combined really hurts them and their lack of three-point shooting they only made seven threes is gonna really hurt them coming down in the tournament and their last three games the combined uh, score was like I want to say two one or two points so they got into close games and finally they couldn't make a bucket at the end of the game RJ Barrett tried to force one up and it didn't go in so Michigan State would be moving on the game that was earlier in that day was a thriller in itself Auburn versus the two seed Kentucky uh, that was a great game Auburn was led by two people the entire game up and down the speedster Harper and the sharpshooter Brown combined for 50 points 5 assists and 6 rebounds and they were combined 5 for 13 from 3 Brown was four for seven. There were several times where the fact that, hold on, before I get into that, the fact that Auburn was only seven for 23 from three-point land and they still won the game tells you the heart that they had because all the analysts, including myself, thought that Auburn needed 10 to 15 threes to beat Kentucky. And they stuck with Kentucky, had leads late, and Kentucky kept having to climb back. But there were some points in this game where Brown, on, there was a two-on-one breakaway with Harper and Brown, and Harper runs to Brown, and Brown uh, was going to the basket. Instead of them going on two-on-one of the basket, Brown steps back and hits a dagger three to take like a four-point lead at the time, I believe. And that's just, it's just the way Auburn plays. They're, they're going to speed you up, and they're going to shoot a bunch of threes. And the fact that they could defensively grind out a win without one of their big-time players in the middle because he tore his ACL in their last game, that is shocking to me. But that also tells you how much Bruce Pearl grinds on these guys during the year. They are very similar to Texas Tech with the way that they are going to speed you up and try and get out and run and play good defense. So I really like Auburn going forward if they can make the three-point shot. That's their biggest issue is they've got to make three-pointers. And the fact that they were able to grind out a win against Kentucky with not making threes was very very surprising to me uh the game that finished the night saturday night was virginia versus purdue when guy and carson edwards were just going bucket for bucket back and forth edwards ended up with 42 points again on 10 of 19 from three which is that's that's ridiculous he had more threes than the entire virginia cavaliers team combined uh, 
Jerome and Guy went nine for 22. And they had like 49 points to Edward 42. But Virginia was down to shooting free throws. And they rimmed out. The ball got tipped out towards midcourt. Instead of throwing up a huge heave, their point guard was able to pass it to one of their bigs. I believe it was uh, Diakite. I believe. I'm not sure which one it was. I I would say it was Diakite. Uh, And he puts up a buzzer beater. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Puts up the buzzer beater. And makes the shot. He had 14.7 rebounds. No more important than those two points. Because that sent the game to overtime. And then Virginia outscored Purdue 10-5 in overtime. Going forward, I really like Virginia. Uh, but will their offense be able to do enough to beat a very, very high octane offense in Auburn with their ability to shoot threes? I believe Auburn's ability to shoot threes will be very similar to Purdue, but the Harper, the point guard for Auburn, uh, will speed you up a lot faster than anybody Purdue, Purdue had. So, Virginia is going to have to slow down Harper and keep Brown. Hopefully, Guy can keep Brown in check, maybe. Uh, that's what Hero tried to do, but I don't know. We'll see. That's going to be very, very interesting to check out. Oh, I missed one. Let me go back to Texas Tech-Gonzaga game. It was a great back-and-forth game. I picked... Uh, Texas Tech to move on. They trailed at halftime by two. They ended up kind of just playing back and forth with Gonzaga all game long. And they didn't pull away until very, very late in this basketball game. They ended up going on a 15-9 run to kind of put everything out of reach there at the very end of that game uh, so Texas Tech can get out and run and get you up and down they will play good defense they force 16 turnovers from Gonzaga Gonzaga is probably the best team that was left in the tournament and they only allowed 69 points from Gonzaga. Only let, allowed them to shoot 42% from the field for a team that shot over 54% as a team all year. Uh, big key in the game was Texas Tech shot 16 for 19 from the free throw line. I think that was part of the reason why they ended up winning that game. So, let is, let's look at this Final Four matchup this Saturday. Kind of already touched on the Virginia-Auburn. I'll give you a winner in a minute. Texas Tech versus Michigan State. Chris Beard in his first ever Final Four against the old man, Coach Izzo from Michigan State, who's been there countless times. 
this will be a great basketball game. You will see good defense, rebounding, and things of that sort. I like Michigan State moving on. They just got that never-say-die mentality, have been fighting injuries all season long. I like Michigan State in this game. It'll be a close game. It will not be a blowout by any means. I like Michigan State in that basketball game. In the other game, I didn't. I kind of touched on a little bit. Uh, keys of the game, Virginia's got to figure out how to stop Harper and Brown. Uh, Michigan State's got to somehow force... I, let me go back to the Michigan State game real quick. Michigan State's got to figure out how to get uh, the point guard. Or, I said Michigan State. Texas Tech has got to figure out how to get Casillas Winston to make mistakes. He's scoring over 19 points a game this season, and he's got almost eight assists a game. So you've got to figure out how to get him to turn the basketball over. That's the key in that game. And the key in the other game is Virginia's got to figure out a way how to slow down Brown and Harper. I don't know if they will be able to. So I have Michigan State playing Auburn in the championship game. And I will do a podcast next Monday and give you the winner of that game. So we're going to take another quick break. And then I will come back. And talk to you about who I think is going to win Rookie of the Year, MVP, and then I'm going to figure finish with my awards changing. And welcome back to the Rehab Sports Guys on the Rehab Sports Guys podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's in again. And... I'm gonna get into who I think's gonna who I think should win rookie of the year. The two front runners are Luka Doncic and Trey Young. And if you've listened to the podcast before, I told you, told Jesse a couple week couple months ago really, that I think Trey Young's gonna make a push towards the end of the season and it's gonna make it di- difficult for voters on who they want to win the award. And that has actually happened. And there are some Trey Young fans that think that everything since December, everything before December 31st shouldn't matter. Nah, well, you're wrong. It does matter. So, Luka is averaging 21.1 points, 6 assists, and almost 8 rebounds a game. Trey Young is averaging 19 points, 8 assists, and about four rebounds a game and then everything else as you go down the line basically other than free throw percentage which Trey Young has the edge there is almost identical Uh, their three point shooting percentage for instance Luka is shooting 32.7% Trey Young is shooting 33.1% like literally Identical. I think it should go to Luka Doncic. He's putting up more points per game. He's got more rebounds. Yes, he has less assists, but he's shooting the basketball at a higher percentage from two. He's shooting at a higher E field goal percentage as well. Even though Luka or even though Trey's got a little bit better 
a, of a three-point advantage and got a a uh, better free throw shooting percentage. I really think it should be a season-long thing. Trey Young has been playing out of his mind. Will I be mad if Trey Young wins? Absolutely not. Would he be deserving? Absolutely. But I think the winner of this award should be Luka Doncic. And that's who I think should win Rookie of the Year. And so who do I think should win MVP between James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo? And that, yes, I said that right. Ha, 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 gotcha. But uh, between the two, they're both balling. James Harden is averaging 36 points, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds a night. He's put on numbers of countless games of... uh, 40 points, 50 points. He has had some 50-point triple-doubles of late. Uh, He's put up 28 games of 40 points, and the Rockets are 21-7 and in those 28 games. Uh, So I think the award, and it should be no question. I have no idea why there's even a question. James Harden should be the MVP. And if you want to give it to Giannis because he's the best player and probably the best team as far as record, I'm okay with that. But as far as the most valuable player, it has got to be James Harden. For a 32-game stretch, James Harden averaged 41.1 points per game to carry a injury an injury team. A team that was led by full of injuries. Chris Paul was out. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, their center. Capella was out. Uh, Eric Gordon missed some games. P.J. Tucker missed some games. And there was James Harden literally average scoring over 30 points a game for like two months straight. And I don't see a way that you can tell me. I don't care. Even if he is averaging... 13 rebounds and 20, 27 points a game. It doesn't matter what James Harden did. And you can hate him for the free throw shooting. I understand that. But guess what? He's still averaging 36 points for an entire regular season. And that is completely insane to think about. That he is, he's got like over 700 more points than Giannis does. Does Giannis have a great resume to be the MVP? Absolutely. Any other year, I'm full for it. But James Harden is the MVP. He is the most valuable player this season. There is no debating that, that he is the most valuable player. Now, if you want to be like, oh, we should give it to the best player on the best team, okay, give it to Giannis. But that's not what the award is. It's not what it is. So, it's... Should be James Harden. That's who should have the award. So, moving on to the most important part of the podcast. I've been thinking about this little topic I have of changing awards. It all started with why is someone who has a 1-8 record in the finals the logo for the NBA? But I'll get to that in a minute. I think the finals MVP, which is currently the Bill Russell Award, should stay the Bill Russell Award. I like that. I'm fine with that. Season MVP, in my opinion, should be called the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award. He won it six times in a decade. 
six of the ten times the MVP award was given away in the 70s, Kareem won it. That's insane to me. Uh, the All-Star MVP award should be Kobe. He won it four times, three times in a five-year span in the late 2000s. Uh, Coach of the year should be none other than Popovich. Rookie of the year is Woody Salisbury. The reason I think that is because he was drafted 60th overall his rookie year and ended up winning the rookie of the year. That's that's crazy to me. Nobody else is even higher than like 10 or 11, if I remember correctly. Uh, Defensive player of the year should be the Ben Wallace Award. Uh, In a five-year span, he won the Defensive Player of the Year award four times. Uh, The Sixth Man Award should go to no other than Lou Williams, who leads, has the most points off the bench in NBA history. Jamal Crawford is a honorable mention. The Teammate Award. Here you go, San, uh, San Antonio fans. The Teammate Award... Teammate of the Year award should go to Mono Ginobili. He's just an all-around good dude. Should have been a starter for some of those championship teams, but understood that if he came off the bench, it made the basketball team better. So Mono Ginobili, not the Sixth Man of the Year like some people think, but the Teammate of the Year award should be Mono's award. It should be the Mono Ginobili award. And now, to the most important thing, the logo should be Michael Jordan. I mean, really, Michael Jordan could be Finals MVP, Seasons MVP, All-Star MVP, whatever. He could have all those awards named after him. But I think he needs to be the logo. And since there's, like, copyright infringement, you can't do the Jumpman. But what you could do is his follow-through that we all practiced when we were kids uh, when he beat the Utah Jazz in Game 6 with that jumper. Because let me tell you this. He's got six finals, six finals MVPs, five regular season MVPs, a defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, three-time all-star game MVP. And the list of accolades goes on and on. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to have ever played in the NBA. He is the GOAT. I don't care what anyone else says. They're idiotic if they think anything else. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. He's the GOAT. And so why is he the logo? So why is a old white man that only won one NBA Finals out of nine appearances the logo? It should be Michael Jordan. He won six NBA Finals, won NBA Finals MVP every one of those finals, and he also won five regular season MVPs. Why else? It's the most talked about player in NBA history. It should be his form shot he had against the Utah Jazz in 98. That is who should be the logo. I really want to hear what y'all have to say. I will be posting this on Twitter for a discussion and let me know who should be the logo or if you have a disagreement with any of the other names for the awards that I would like to change let me know this has been the Rehab Sports Guys Podcast I will be back next week 
to give you my national championship in college basketball. 